Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is our uh, scripture study podcast video where we move through the scriptures and we point out things that we think uh, you don't want to miss. And also just questions and and things that will help spark discussions and... Uh, Teaching ideas, yeah. things that you can use with your family, with the people you study with, or maybe you teach youth or any of those things. Yeah, we just love, love the scriptures and the God that it teaches about, and we want you to fall in love also, especially this year, the Old Testament, because we love the Old Testament so much. We also love summer. Oh, um, we're so excited for summer. We can't it's our, wait. It's our favorite. But this is true about summer, um, that kind of we fall off the come follow me wagon. We fall off the scripture study wagon. We fall off the schedule wagon. Um, you might fall off the patience wagon if you have little kids at home not going to school anymore. I love summer. Oh, uh, I just... The, I love every single thing about summer. I'm Olaf yeah. in oh. Frozen. <laughs> I totally yeah. love summer. Um, I, it is so awesome. But it is hard to study scripture and kind of stay caught up on it. And we just love the Old Testament so much. And the stories that happen in the summer are just some of the best ones. And we thought, how are we going to figure this out so that people can do summer and all the crazy schedule that comes with summer and also still do the Old Testament at the same time. And not miss anything that you really don't want to miss. Remember at the very beginning when we told you you are going to become acquainted with heroes, some of which you've never even heard of before? Unfortunately, most of them are going to show up in the summer. That yeah. is just true. And they're so good. Like a whole list of heroes is about to show up in the summer. So don't worry, everyone. We came up with a really good idea. Yeah. If you were with us for Book of Mormon year, we did something that we called the Summer of Heroes. And we are doing it again. For the Old Testament. It's a book that just lends to having all these heroes. So what we made for you is this little packet that is going to come in the email as a free download. Um, it'll also be in the app. It'll just be really easy to find and to print. And, and this is going to be something so fun to do with your families. Um, when we did this before, so many of you did this for like youth conferences or with your young men, young women's groups. Um, you'll remember we did bracelets last time that said MMLX because we were thinking of the 2060 Stripling Warriors and we actually are having bracelets again, everybody. Let me show you what they're going to look like. Don't the, say what the word means. I will not tell you what the word means. It's in Hebrew and um, we're going to have those same bracelets. So we'll put a link for those also if that's something that you want to do. And then you have this whole thing that what we are going to do is see if this feels doable. Five minutes a day. So one hero every day of the summer, Monday through Friday for five minutes. That's it. Yeah. That quick, feels so easy. Yeah. Quick little lessons. And the videos will be divided up so that there will just kind of be a break, a little chapter break. You could watch the whole thing all together if you're used to doing that. Or if you want to do it together as a family or something like that, and in the morning, just play the five minutes or for scripture study at night, the five minutes and talk about the hero. That's another way to do it too. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have all these people. You can see some of them here. Everybody has a little symbol. So it will remind you who you're learning about. 
Um, it has the theme at the bottom that we want to remember for the whole summer, but we're going to let you guess again because that was so fun last time. And then everybody's name. You can cut these out. There's so many different ways uh, to do this. You okay, if you're listening on the podcast, it's a printout that includes kind of little oh, um, banner flags and then also the name of the hero and a little symbol that kind of will represent their story. So there's about five pages of these. Yep, there's going to be can... 44 heroes, everyone. Yeah. It's so fun. Then you can kind of do whatever you want to do with them to like display them. Uh, you might hang something up like this that's fun and tie them onto a little banner like this with with uh, ribbons so it's kind of bright and fun. Yep, because you're going to have 44 of these by the time you are finished, that you'll be able to go through and remember all of these heroes. Yeah. Um, or if you want it like more permanent, I'll put where I got these from. You can hang it up at your kitchen table. We talked about maybe putting it up at the top of this board. You might have somewhere fun, but you're just going to be able to cut these out and pretty much do anything you want with them. Yeah, and these are just on with little paper clips. So if you're like, there's no way I'm tying ribbons on, you can do that. Uh, we would suggest printing them out in like n nicer kind of cardstocky paper or something a little bit thicker um, so that they are just easier to deal with and you know, don't get all crinkly and ruined or whatever. Yeah, so it's going to be so We're fun. super excited to just highlight some of these people that, again, some of you have maybe never even heard of before. And just their stories are really so good. And they are just um, people of courage and faith and, and that you just can't wait to emulate and learn about. So we'll start in the book of Judges. That's where we are going to dive in. So be watching for as soon as that lesson comes, you're going to start seeing these five-minute videos with little breaks in them. So you'll know what they are. And that's two lessons away from this one, right? We're in Numbers today, Deuteronomy next time, then Judges. will happen after that. Um, and then we're going to end... Right before Psalms start. So in when August. you when you look at kind of where it's going to go, it'll be in between there. And then just think, you're about to know 44 more people by August. To meet in heaven. Than you did right now. Well, some of these you knew. Like yeah. Esther, you, you know, know her. her. Yeah. But, but her line's going to be so long in heaven to meet her. But some yeah. of these other folks, yeah. Deborah, no one else will know them. Yeah. <laughs> you can go meet them. I yeah. love a short line. You're going to love meeting all these people. So you're going to have a whole wall of faith Yeah. Uh, by the time we're done. Let's yeah, and a lot of these down. actually in the New Testament, Paul actually mentions them as part of his cloud of witnesses, his in faith Hebrews hall of fame, 11. you know, his people that he wants to be surrounded by to kind of encourage him and, and lift him up. So we're hoping that that's kind of the vibe of this whole thing. There's just like, oh, look yeah. at all these people on our side, you know? Yeah, so, so fun. Okay, so we're going to move So participate however you want with us. We tried to make that as easy as possible, everyone. Okay, oh. here's the timeline for the day. And also, we're... here's what we said this morning. Just so you know, we are thinking about you. It was this. Oh, no. Now we have to cut out all the timeline pieces and the Summer of Heroes. <laughs> but you guys, this is how much we love the Old Testament. We just don't want you to miss any of it. So you just do the best you can as we're going through this. If you miss some of the heroes, fine. Just whatever you get, you're so happy about. Okay, right here was the Passover, which we kind of did around Easter time. And remember, they came to the Red Sea. And the first place they went was Mount Sinai. And then they had that incident with the golden calf and everything at Mount Sinai. Um, today, this is the book of Numbers that we're doing. We're doing the whole book in a day. 
And this one that we have for here is this manna piece that goes on number uh, 20. Manna is kind of the way that the Lord sustains them. Remember, we talked about last time throughout their entire journey in, in the wilderness. And so that's why we picked that one for this one. But really, the book of Numbers is like all of this squiggly line. And you're about to fall in love with this, but don't fall in love with it yet because we're going to teach you about it. <laughs> oh, but this middle, is that... about to be your favorite, one of your favorite verses of the whole Old Testament. Wait and see if it's true. Yeah. It's going to be. Okay, so. Um, I'm going to start with this. Oh, I'm going to start right. with something that we um, love to talk about from this devotional book. And we're going to be in number six is where we are. We're do we want to start with the, like one through five and kind of catch people up where we are? Um, or do you want to do that first? Uh, we do could. We can just show what happens there, but I'm going to talk about that. In this actually talks about that. Oh, but good. Yes. Okay. We'll start um, there and then we'll back up if we need to. Okay. And come backwards. So yeah. we, here we are. We're going to be in this book called Numbers. And I want to just start out talking about that name and why was it called Numbers and what is happening at the very beginning of Numbers. Um, with Come Follow Me, we actually study 11 through 14 and 20 through 24. And you accidentally miss our favorite verse in the whole beginning of the Old Testament. So don't worry, we're just going to catch you right up into number six and then dive into all of the rest. But as we start to read the book of Numbers... What happens is there are a whole bunch of numbers that start happening. The men, the tribes, the tents, they even number the sacrifices by weight, by quantity, by the bowls they were brought in. And as you start reading it, you might be thinking to yourself, why are they keeping track of so many numbers? With this careful counting of men and tribes, was the Lord trying to teach us a lesson? I just always think he was in those first five chapters. I'm reminded from a verse from the book of Moses that says, all things are numbered unto me for they are mine and I know them. Was the Lord trying to help us understand the worth of a soul? Before they started this great journey into the wilderness, a census was taken and every person was accounted for, numbered. Was the hope that not one would be lost. That is what I just love to think of as they get started. The Hebrew Bible shows the name of this book as Journey Through the Wilderness, which also is such a better name. No one reads this book because it's named Numbers. Yeah. Whoever was in charge of the marketing for Forgot. this was... Yeah. Yeah. Journey <laughs> Through the Wilderness was so good. But, Way better. But we do love this about the word Numbers is as soon as you see it, hopefully you remembered, oh yes, our God is a God who counts his children to make sure they're all there. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite. You just reminded me of a road trip when you just said that. When you're <laughs> no, just like about, so which is true because this whole book is a road trip. It is the journey to the promised land. Yes. And before they start, God's like, okay, ready, go. Number one, off. two, yeah. three, <laughs> Who's here? four. Who's five? Um, after crossing the Red Sea, after spending two years receiving the laws and commandments and preparing the children of Israel are going to begin this journey into the wilderness. My favorite part is that this journey began with numbering and then included a blessing from the Lord. And this is our favorite part. Um, the blessing was personal and individualized. It was a promise to covenant Israel, not as a whole, but to each of them individually. On this wise, ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. 
And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Isn't that one of your favorite verses? That's in number six. It's going to be 23 through 27, and we will go back and and kind of catch you up where that is. But I love this thought. Wherever you are on your journey, whatever your wilderness place may be, remember, you are numbered of the Lord. He will bless you and keep you. Watch for him there. And that's going to be the theme of this whole lesson is that watching, that watching. So is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just think one thing that you might think is really cool about that blessing is of all of the fragments and tablets and any like ancient residue they have of Old Testament Mm. writings, the oldest one that can be found that's ever been found um, is this blessing, number six. It's like if you were to date all of the, the pieces that we have, this is one. And the reason that we have it is people used to keep it on little amulets. They made silver amulets um, and they would, it, this was, would be engraved um, on that. But that's the, this is the oldest piece of like original you know, words of God that we have. And I think that is really, really like of anything of anything in all the Bible, this was the one that's the oldest. It's cool because it really could have been like some rando verse, you know, but instead it's this this blessing that is so good. And it's the blessing that the Lord said to the, to Aaron and to his sons, to the priests. This is the blessing I want you to pronounce upon the people. And it became tradition to pronounce this blessing upon them after the morning prayers, that the priests would give their morning prayers in the tabernacle and then pronounce this blessing upon them. And it's just neat that this is that's the way that this whole journey begins. So Book of Numbers is kind of divided up into three, well, like five sections. One at Sinai, one at this place called Paran, and one at this place called Moab, and then little journey sections in between them. So really the whole thing is their wandering in the wilderness. So they start at Sinai right here where they are numbered. And the Lord... And did we say where these verses were? Number 6, 23 through 27. Yeah. If you want those verses, that's where they are. And let's just say this one other thing. I love as you're reading through that, that you do watch how it happens individually, that you see covenant language taking place there, that he talks about love and divine pleasure and how he will look kindly on us. Um, and that he wants us to find contentment. I just love, don't you love that every morning was going to start mm-hmm. with that reminder of his covenant people who were going to take his name and then remember him. Um, as we enter into this book, I just love the thought of that because also here they're having this prayer every morning over him. And then what you're going to find out, and you might want to write this somewhere is Meanwhile, in the book of Numbers, what we discover about the children of Israel is something is awry in their hearts, right? There's just something yeah. is just not quite right. And they're still trying to navigate this covenant relationship. And we've talked about this before, and we're still going to be talking about it at the end of the book of Numbers is God just does not give up on them. He just keeps trying and trying and trying to create this covenant people. And I love that because he's going to do the same for us. Yeah, you see these opposites of, of a very rebellious people, but also a very, very faithful God. And you're watching the way that he is, is, is trying to essentially, remember, they left Egypt in one day, but it's going to take 40 years to get Egypt out of them, you know? Yeah. And so, and the Lord is just really patient in, 
in this, and you'll see throughout this entire thing how that happens. The beginning of Numbers actually starts by showing how he wants the camp of Israel to be camped up. And so I, we drew this on the board. This is the tabernacle, which right was the presence of God among the people right here in the middle. And then they camped up the priests of the Levite priests camped around it like this. And then the tribes of Israel would camp around the priests like that. And in your scriptures, uh, if you did the tip-ins or otherwise, if you're on the timeline, it's going to show you how those, um, it's actually not on the tip-ins, it's on, on the, the timeline. timeline. Yeah, it's yeah. going to show you where each tribe lived when they would get to wherever they were camping for the night. Um, certain tribes had certain places, three on every side, where they were going to set up their camp. So it's kind of fun to look at that. Yeah. And it's just interesting that even the very setup of it, because this was instructed by the Lord in how to set this up and how they would travel when they would travel. Um, what would happen is there was this fire that kind of was above like the, um, the tabernacle, right. That kind of was just this visual symbol of God's presence among them. And when that moved, it literally would start moving they would pack up the temple and then that would go first and then all the tribes in their order and they would follow behind that until it stopped. And when it stopped, they would set that tabernacle up right where the fire, where, where it stopped and then set up their camps around it. So you can see that, that we have this fill in the blank on the journal that like the lesson literally was follow the Lord. Like in their case, he, he was moving. Yeah, it was a physical, right? right? It was either fire or it was smoke that they were following a, and a physical, something they could actually put their eyes on and walk after. And we're going to learn in numbers, both this idea of physically looking to the Lord, but also spiritually looking to the Lord. And what does that look like in our life? Right. And physically set up your camp with the presence of God in the middle, but also spiritually that the lesson was put God and his holiness at the center of your lives and of your homes and your families and, and your communities. This is a, this is a, um, a pattern that was followed here as um, the saints, the Latter-day Saints were setting up mm-hmm. um, their cities. They were, they would put, if you, if you go to a lot of cities like Salt Lake City, for example, if you go to first south or second south or third south, that actually means I am one block or two blocks or three blocks south of the temple, a, a physical representation of the presence of, of the Lord. And so even our cities, a lot of cities along this mountain range where we live were set up in that same way to teach and remind that same lesson. Which you love that then God stayed in the center, right? It was a right. central focus. It yeah. just was everything was calculated from that place. And I love that. So at the top of this, you're going to see, um, this lesson in 922, where it just talks about whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud was on the tabernacle remaining thereon, the children of Israel's abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up and they started moving, they actually packed up and moved. And literally we wrote down, they followed the Lord. Like they literally followed wherever he went. And we're going to learn in a little bit as we get down um, what might be one of the most famous lessons from this set of scriptures, which is the serpent that is raised up in the wilderness. And right up here, we just talk about the labor you have to perform is to look, right? That's what they're learning right now. They're learning how to look 
after the Lord. And we're going to watch that in five different lessons right here. Um, that, that that's what they were meant to do is look, but we find out from Nephi because of the easiness and the simpleness of the way many of them didn't. And is that true today as we look at what's happening in, in our lives and the lives of those that we love? How are we doing at actually looking toward the Lord? What does that look like? And what if we were to label five reasons why we don't? What would that look like? So we want to just dive into these five stories that we love that we'll be reading about here. And then um, wh- while we're reading, you want to be watching for that, um, that lesson of looking or following. Right. So um, we've kind of labeled these as like a distraction, those things that would like pull somebody's eyes away from looking. Nephi mentioned one already. It's just like the easiness or simpleness. And so it kind of distracts people from even doing it because they're like, nah, maybe unbelief is probably, you know, or that, that's, that, that's not going to work. Something like that can't solve, you know, what's actually happening, which isn't that true? Like really the solution to a fulfilling and happy life is quite simple. Like, I love that uh, President Uchtdorf, Elder Uchtdorf in conference just kind of said, like, if you were to have a to-do list, it would actually be really short. Mm. Love God, love people. That, that's, it, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. And, and sometimes it's just like we complicate things so much. Um, here's some examples. Numbers 11, as they're going through right at the very first <laughs> verse. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, right? They are complaining. They are on this journey, walking away from Sinai, where God spoke to them, taught them how to build a tabernacle. They're actually following a pillar of fire and it is raining down manna, food, free food every single day. For them, And starting in verse four, it says, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting <laughs> and the children of Israel wept again and said, who shall give us meat to eat flesh to eat? And then uh, this is nuts. They said, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt freely and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes, you know, and you're like, like we put as the distraction, um, lust, that they were trying to go after something else that they thought was going to satisfy them. And who loves like how hungry that verse makes you? Is there like, do you remember the garlic? Do you remember the onions? Like just, they're describing, and who loves when they were like, and we freely ate it in Egypt. And you want to be like, no, you didn't. He, he murdered your babies. <laughs> the Pharaoh killed your babies and whipped you. You were and, not free yes, in no, Egypt. No. Somehow you have forgotten that you weren't actually free in yeah. Egypt. Which isn't that the case that sometimes when you're like looking for something else to satisfy your soul besides God, that you, that you, like you will create these really strange rationalizations in your mind. Yeah. You know, to get to this yes. level where you're like, oh, we loved Egypt. It was so <laughs> like, I, you know, and you're just like, no, you didn't. You yes. didn't love Egypt. And yes. so really, this is not about the meat, but it's about an, the issue of like looking to something else besides the Lord. They're, well, they're, and being unsatisfied. Right. Like there is right. something about not being content with where they were. And, and I love that thought. Remember clear back in the blessing when he was like, just learn to find peace in your life. Just 
learn to be content in the place where you are and to find happiness there and to be present in that place and see the goodness of God where you are. I mean, manna is coming down out of heaven. They don't have to pay for it. They don't have to cook it. Nobody has to find the ingredients for it. Like there's so much that has been taken away of that work. But for some reason, all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we don't want this tender mercy. We don't want this anymore. Thank you. But we don't want this anymore. And do we get like that where we're like, hmm. Yeah, like it's not about the manna and it's not about like the quail that we're going to get or what they want or the melons or anything. It's about like this is a manifestation of what's happening inside their hearts, right? And the truth is if it goes unchecked, Mm. if lust goes unchecked, it will consume them. Nothing will ever, ever satisfy them. And and like like a fire, right? Um, I read, uh, I think it was Jonathan Edwards who says, no fire has ever said, oh, I don't need any more fuel. Thank you. I'm fine. Right. (laughs) But like it will keep, it will never be satiated. And so that is with like, one way the Bible defines sin is, is, is getting our, um, um, our, what do you say? Like our satisfaction from something else other than, other than God, nothing else will satisfy him satisfy us like his love. And so mm-hmm. they're looking for all this other stuff instead of having grateful hearts for him. So the Lord gives them a wake up call and he sends mm-hmm. them meat. He's like, you want meat? I will send you meat. And he says to Moses, tell the people tomorrow they will eat flesh for uh, you have wept in the ears of the Lord asking who's going to give us meat. It was better in Egypt when we had meat. And he says, you will not eat for one day or two or five or 10 or 20, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils. This is verses 18 through 20. And it becomes loathes until you hate it. Because you have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come forth out of Egypt? Which, you know, that line too is is such a, kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah, well, there's so much ingratitude. Like, right, he's like, why did you bring us out of Egypt? And it's like, I brought you out of this Egypt. This is the greatest delivery you. that yeah. has ever happened right. in all the time of the world. So this is not about like people are like, I just, I just really, really wanted a burger, you know, because I was tired of um, bread, you know, and it's like, no, no, there's a despising, you know, is yeah. a really good word for that too. So he gives them this wake up call and they eat quail for a whole month, right? To just... Get them back on track. That's what you're going to see the Lord do, is he's going to get them back on track. And over on the right side of the journal, we put this ev- uh, on for every single one, because at first you kind of see something like that, and you're like, oh, ooh, that's a little bit harsh. But then you learn the motive of the Lord in each of these stories. In Numbers 11, verse 23 said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand wax short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Um, a reminder in this particular one of the Lord who will keep his promises, whose arm won't be short. He's not going to pull it back, but he will keep extending that arm of, um, of goodness to the people. And I love the thought of like watching for where do I see this in me? You know, where do I see this in my life, in my story, in our culture, even in our faith community? Um, same with the second one. We're going to turn now to Numbers 12. And it just starts right at the very beginning in verse one. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. 
for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. And I love this thought that there starts to be this resentment there. And, and what they are resenting is the authority of the prophet right. in that moment. They're like, we actually don't want him to be the prophet. We don't want him to be in charge of us. We want our own personal authority. We know right. what to do now. So we'll just do this ourselves. And so the Lord spoke suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and Miriam. And he's like, you three come out. Come to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. You know how this happens at home when you're like. <laughs> he called them by their full name. Yeah. Garrett, Megan, Grace, <laughs> come to the kitchen. That's exactly what happened in that moment. And in verse five, the Lord came down in the pillar of a cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. And he called Aaron and Miriam. And he says to them, if, and I love that if in verse six, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make him known to you. And I, I love the thought of that, that he's like, if you ever wonder who my prophet is, just ask me who my prophet is. I will make him known to you in that moment. And so their wake up calls in verse 10, because um, it tells us that anger of the Lord was kindled against them in nine and he departed and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold, she had turned into this leper. And she said, um, she said, um, that was a wake up call. That was a wake up call. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, um, then she was going to have to be unclean now for seven days. That is just the rule of what was going to happen. But if she was healed if she became clean again. So they were going to have to spend this time there. And and again, I, I like that you were talking about earlier about this idea of like uh, something physical that represented something spiritual. And I think even here, right? Yeah. Leprosy was a disease of, of decay, you know? And yes, her skin was now physically decaying, but I think it was kind of a, a wake up call to say, if you continue resenting, uh, even at the yeah, beginning, it, when it they will eat you alive. It, yes, right. They found what was wrong about Moses. They were like, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You're right. And he was like, if you follow that, I'm, it's going to decay your soul if you keep following that path. And so there is this outward expression of something yeah. happening inside. Which is so important to think about and consider because how many conversations do you hear within our faith community today of people who do want to say, do I need to be following the prophet? Like, can I receive my own uh, personal authority of what I should be doing right now? Like it, it hints so much of this exact same thing. And when that begins to turn to resentment and what about me and what about what I think is important and how I want to do things, that's where it becomes hard. And I love what Moses does. You just love Moses's heart so much Mm -hmm. because you could have like had your feelings really hurt, you know, or been like, fine, if you don't, if you don't want to do it the way we're all doing it, go do it somewhere else, go do it your own way. But I love in verse 13 that Moses cries unto the Lord and says, heal her now. Oh Lord, I beseech thee. Like, I love that he is just for Miriam, even when she's not for him. He's like, and and just immediately, Lord, like 
you've got to do something about this. I, I love the love that you hear in him just pleading her cause before God. And the Lord says to Moses, um, if, if someone spit in her face, she would have to for seven days be unclean. So she's going to have to be unclean and shut out of the camp for seven days. That just is the consequence. And, and I think we do have to remember that with God. There yeah. are consequences right. to things that happen. And then you can um, go forth again. And you love that Miriam, that Moses is going to wait for Miriam. He is not going to leave her behind the entire Children of Israel will wait the seven days before they move on until Miriam can come. And there's so much about a prophet's heart that you love in Numbers chapter 12. Yeah, and and just how awesome that is that all of them are like, we're just not going to, yes, there are these consequences she has to go through, but we're not moving forward without her. She's numbered. We're not going to forget about her. So then they take this, they keep going on their journey when you get into Numbers 13 and 14. And they get to this spot that is right kind of on the edge of the promised land. Um, It's actually, um, I read somewhere, it would be a a two-week journey from Sinai on foot, you know, to the promised land. That's all it would take. So they get right there up to the edge of it. And Moses sends spies into the land of Canaan, um, the promised land, to go check it out and come back with a report. He says, this is where they're headed, it's where they're supposed to go. And so one from every tribe goes into the land of Canaan. And when they come back, there uh, is kind of a division. Ten of, of the spies come back with what the scriptures call an evil report. And if you look in chapter 13, verses 28 through 33, this is the report. They come back and they said, y'all, <laughs> um, <laughs> let me tell you something. The people who are in that place are strong and those cities are walled and very great, bigger than anything else we've ever seen out here. And the Amalekites are in the South and the Hittites and the Jebusites are there and the Amorites and they all live there and all the coasts, um, and everything. And, and, and they're like, there are giants there practically. And they brought up verse 32, this evil report in the land, which they had searched. And they said, this is, uh, this is not a good place for us to go and they, there are so many people that are like grasshoppers in 33. So they come back and, and they just so find everything wrong. Before you even go farther, I love in 14.1 when like they scare the people so bad. Like we hear those 10 people talk, but this is how nervous it made everyone. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept for the entire night because this was going to be the end. This was like their happily ever after was this is what they have been pushing forward for is this moment. And then when they come back and they're like, no, no, there's giants over there and great walls and, and all of those things. It's so interesting how fast fear and doubt can consume you. Yeah. And they'll actually end up like citing a a rebellion, right? Against Moses, like get rid of Moses and let's get new leadership, you know? Um, And again, in verse two of chapter 14, would God that we had died in Egypt or we should just die out here. It's better than going in there. And, and it really is this doubt we put as the distraction there, doubt that God can fulfill the promises he said he would do, right? He said, I will give you this land. You will be a blessing among all nations. And they came back and they said, no, there is no way that God can do something like that. And if Moses thinks that, that we can, he's off his rocker. Also, let's get new leadership in here. Now, what's awesome is you have these other two um, 
spies that went with them, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua is going to become someone that we're really going to follow closely. But Caleb is one of those two that we, you'd want to catch on here before we start our summer of heroes. This is the these are the pre this is <laughs> the, the pre summer yeah, yeah. The, the pre summer heroes because they come back and they actually give uh, this good report and they come back carrying grapes and 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 a report of this is a land that's flowing with milk and honey and it's and it's a beautiful place and God's taking us somewhere good and you can you can trust him you can he has good intentions for you this is like the report that they bring and I love back. in verse 30 of chapter 13 when it says this and Caleb stilled the people before Moses don't you just love that's what kind of person he was that he was like okay everybody calm down for a minute and I love when he says this let us go up at once, like, let's go tomorrow and possess it. And he says, because we are well able to overcome it. Like you can just think in his mind that he's like, remember our God is the God who opens up seas. We can, we can go in there. Yeah. Everyone. This verse is one. We both have a Caleb. Yes. And this verse 1424 is why we both named our Caleb's Caleb. Is that kind of fun? Um, But it says in 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his family will possess it. But it's such a, like, it's such a powerful line that he had a different spirit with him than everybody else had. And he wholly followed. Yeah. Wholly. Right, right. Now, the wake up call to everybody else in this chapter here is besides Caleb, And besides Joshua, the rest of the children of Israel will not go into the promised land. Except their little ones. Yeah. Their little ones get to go. Right. So that whole generation, this is, again, they're right on the borders of the promised land and they could have just walked right in like Caleb wanted to. Let's go tomorrow. But the Lord said, no, listen, if you don't want to go, then you don't have to go. And I think this is just one of the few spots in the book of Numbers where you see this idea of the Lord where he says, I will be faithful to my promises, but if you do not want to claim them, I am going to give you the freedom to not claim them. If you don't want anything to do with them, um, if you want the consequences of following after your lust and your resentment and your doubt, I will let you do that, Mm. right? But he is both faithful and also honors that agency. agency of all of us too. And so this is where they actually will now wander for the for the next, what is it going to be, 38 years. Yeah, and he tells him, after the number of days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you will know the breach of promise. That's in verse 34 of 14. And I just, I think it's so interesting that in this moment when they could have been there in 12 days or whatever you said, Now there's going to be this 40-year journey of just fixing what is awry in their heart, what has gone bad in their heart. And remember, Moses won't go in. And none of the parents or the older generation will go in, just the rising generation. And Joshua and Caleb will go in. Yeah, it reminds me of that analogy that President Oaks gave that one time where he talked about like a, a really successful, um, wealthy father who kind of had a, you know, a household and an industry and everything. And he talked to his kids and he said to them, I could give you all of my possessions, 
but you wouldn't be fit for them because what I can't give you is who I am. Hmm. And, and in order to rule and reign over all that I have, you, you have to become and yes. match that same character. We can link that analogy, but it's like God had great intentions for the children of Israel, for them to be a blessing to all nations, for them to be a kingdom of priests, a royal and holy people. And he says, I could give you the land, sure, but, and I could give you the promises, but if you can't live them out, right? Yeah. You, have, you need to become the people that can you know, receive and, and live them out. And so that's the purpose for the wandering. And those verses right there in 18 through 20 in chapter 14 that we have, where it says, there is a reminder there, but the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. He will not clear the guilty, right? And sometimes those iniquities get passed down from generation to generation. Um, but he says, but I, I um, he says, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy and how thou hast forgiven thy people from Egypt even until now. Remember that. And the Lord is saying that, yes, you will wander, but the promise is I will be with you and I will be long suffering and I'll be merciful during those years. And I think it's so interesting in verse 42 when they're debating what should they do um, and going up to the place which the Lord has promised. Moses says to them, go not up for the Lord is not among you. And how important it is to remember that we can actually make choices where we will be hindered or halted in that pursuit. We will be stopped in that pursuit until we get to the point where we turn again to the Lord and then are able to start progressing and increasing with him. The next one we're going to talk about is the one we're super familiar with in Numbers 21. And this is the one we read about in several places in the Book of Mormon. But what happens is they journey from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And this, I love this line in chapter 21, verse 4. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. It just had gotten so hard and so long. And it was the same thing every day. And the people spake against God and against Moses saying, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? You know, when you're on that road trip and your kids are like, are we there? Are we there yet? Are we almost there? It's, this is like that same thing. Why, why did you bring like, us up yeah, out of Egypt? He's touching me. I will take, are we there yet over? He's touching me. So 10 true. for 10. Meanwhile, this is it. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? It was better if we just died in Egypt. You, It's just so interesting to me that they're like, take us back to the thing that was comfortable, even if it's not better, but it was comfortable. So take us back. We knew how to do Egypt. We don't know how to do this thing. So take us back to the thing we know how to do, even if it's not that good. It feels more comfortable. And... They say this too, there is no bread here, neither is there any water, in case you have forgotten. These are the things we keep running out of. And then I love when they say this in verse 5, and our soul loatheth this light bread, right? <laughs> like, we do not ever want to eat manna again for the rest of our life. We hate it. We hate, we hate it. it. We loathe yeah. it. We just don't even want any of it. And um, I think at this point, the Lord is like, okay. I have heard this so many times, right? It, it's like, get out of the car. That is what is happening. <laughs> you can walk the rest of the way. That's what you feel like is happening right here. And so the Lord sends these fiery serpents among the people and they bite the people. And so all of a sudden, everyone starts dying. That is what is going to happen. And the people came to Moses and said, listen, 
We have sinned because we spoke against the Lord and also against you. So can you please pray to the Lord and ask him to take away these serpents? And I think this is so interesting because uh, like in my life, I just want to remember this. How bad could the manna have possibly been? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like it, the, it was God's watch care. It was him watching over you. It was his provision. It was his mercy. Like I think to myself, we all have those tender mercies in our life. And, and first they get to the point where they don't want to watch for him anymore. And second, they get to the point where they like loathe the thought that God would show up in their life every single day. That's the point that they get to. And so these fiery serpents come and Moses prays for the people and the Lord says to Moses, which, and, and let's just say this too. Initially, it kind of seems like an overreaction, you know, from the Lord where yeah. you're just like, they're like, we hate this bread. And he's like, okay, then here's these fiery serpents, you know, and you're sort of like, wow, yes. like you got grounded for six months for coming home five minutes late is sort of what it, but again, I think this is like a, a, a manifestation. This like, I, I hate this. You know, we want something different. It's like, it is like that fire again, yeah. you know, and it's just like nothing is satiating. And it's so interesting because you're watching them go through these stages of lust and then resentment and then doubt. And now there's loathing that is going to happen. And, and those really are stages that people go through, particularly as they um, go through a process of leaving something behind. And, and Israel is going to leave behind God. This is the process that is going to cause Israel to leave behind God. And if he doesn't intervene in like, and yeah. almost like they're called fiery serpents, not because they were fire snakes, but there are actually snakes in that wilderness. When they bite you, you, you die of thirst and it just burns you up with a fever mm. inside, which is just interesting because it's like, they are having the symptoms physically of what is actually happening to them spiritually. Spiritually. And so Moses is supposed to, the Lord tells Moses, make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And if a serpent has bitten anyone, if he just looks at this serpent of brass, he will live. That's it. That's all they have to do. They just have to look at this staff. And we read more about this in First Nephi, which I love, and also in Alma. And we will reference these places in the newsletter. But let me just take you to them quickly. In First Nephi 17, verse 41 and there were the fiery flying serpents among them. And after they were bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed. And the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way or the easiness of it, there were many who perished and they hardened their hearts. Um, and they reviled against Moses and also against God, but they were still led forth by a matchless power. It tells us even, and there's that long suffering coming in again. And then you read again in Alma 33, 20, where it's going to talk about um, all they had to do was look and live. But the reason they would not look is because they did not believe that it would heal them. And, and they said, oh, brethren, if you could be healed by merely casting about your eyes that you might be healed, would you not be healed quickly? And then I love in verse 22, and it says, if you could just begin to believe, he tells them, if you could just begin to believe, you would find this healing. And then in Alma 37, 46, it says, don't be slothful because of the easiness of the way, because that's what happened to our fathers. It was prepared for them that they would look and then they could live. And the way is prepared for us too. And now my sons, see that ye take care of these sacred things. And I think it is so interesting that over and over this lesson is told again, just remember, just look like literally look. That's what he told them from the very beginning. Just follow the Lord. Just look. 
That's what you've got to do. And that's the difference. And as we end, we'll just take you to... Um, well, hold on. There's, wait, yeah. And one other thought I had about that serpent one, um, which first of all is interesting because you're like, um, you took the very thing that was hurting you and put it on the stick, you know? And so yeah. you're kind of like, what? That seems kind of like a funny thing to do. Um, although if you did have like a hunter come through the camp and, and kill one of the snakes, you know, and put, yeah, that's what you would do is put it up on the stick, right? It's been defeated. Jesus, when talking to Nicodemus, is actually going to use this story as an analogy for uh, himself being lifted up and asking those to just look upon this. And as you were saying that about like the call is, is to look and Jesus saying, look to me on the cross. He's actually like particularly saying, look to how devoted I am to you. Look at how good I've been to you. Look at how much I've protected you. Look how like how far I'm willing to go to, to rescue mm. you. You've forgotten Egypt that I rescued you. You forgot that I sustained you. You forgot that I'm leading you through. And, and it was sort of that same invitation from Jesus to those like, look at how faithful and long-suffering God actually is. And you love that thought. And I love when those Book of Mormon prophets pull it out where they're like, it's you it, You might think it's too easy. You might think it's too simple. And th- what what is required of you right now is just believe mm-hmm. in Christ. Like, Trust him, trust, trust his deliverance, trust his healing, trust that he will rescue you, trust that he will make a way through. Like that's what you are lacking. That's what's lacking here is trust. Mm -hmm. That's what the problem is here. And I love in that one that like, hold on to sacred things, just hold on to the sacred things. And that's what will get you through. And then we get to this last story. Yeah. Which is really funny. And kind of sums up everything. (laughs) Yeah. So as they get into this area uh, called Moab and it's right there across the river from where they're going to go into the promised land. So they're right there in that Jordan side of the river. And there is this kingdom of Moab there. And the king there sees all these people, how big the children of Israel are, are, and he's afraid of them. And he's heard of reputations about them. And so he actually calls up this guy. The king's name is Balak. And he calls this guy named Balaam up. And he's just like, hey, I need you to come and pronounce a curse upon the, the, this group of people, the children of Israel out here, because I'm nervous about them. So he sends some messengers to tell him. And his initial response in 22 right at the very beginning was just like, uh, no, I, I can't, I can't do that. I I can't, um, I can't do what God doesn't tell me to do. So then the King sends better servants, like more like distinguished ones with a lot of money this time. And he just says, um, Hey, now will you come and curse them? And it's interesting because he's like, let me pray and ask, you know, if I can do something like that. You sort of see him and he says, I can't go against or say anything that the Lord says not to. So then he comes a third time and he says to him, please come. I will give you all the honor, all my riches. If, if you'll come and curse these people. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go. And so he goes and he starts riding down the path to go to curse the children of Israel. And he's on this donkey. And as he starts going, there is an angel standing in the roadway and he does not see it, but the donkey does. And so the donkey starts to turn around. He's like, uh-oh. And he starts turning. And then so Balaam gets mad and he starts kicking the donkey and hitting it. He's like, you stupid donkey, go. 
and and it then it keeps going a little bit more and it gets more narrow and the angel's there and it's sort of like it smashes Balaam's foot up against the wall and he's like I'm not going there's this angel there with a sword you're crazy and then he keeps hitting him and beating him and then it gets more narrow and he keeps beating him and finally this is so awesome this is the wake up call for him the Lord opens up the mouth of the donkey and he lets him talk right I love this part because it's like listen the Lord is going to get your attention right if he whatever he has to do even if he has to get you through a donkey he's going to talk to you through a donkey and the donkey talks. He's like, why are you hitting me? You know, and do you love that he just talks back to the donkey as if he's Shrek? Like, he's just like, what? Why are you? Why are you hitting me? He's like, because you're not going where I told you to go. You know, and it's just like, what about the fact? Yeah, he's being surprised. I was like, what about the fact that the donkey's talking to you? And then the donkey says, I can't go because there's that angel right in the middle of the road. And he was going to, he was going to, we're going to get killed if we go that direction. And then finally his eyes are opened up and he sees the angel and he's like oh sorry i i actually didn't know <laughs> i didn't i couldn't see that there was an, an angel there and 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 you know like you were saying earlier emily maybe the donkey could have said back or maybe you chose not to see maybe you could have but you just you just you chose not to see what you what you could have seen there it's you didn't want to see god saying no um because you wanted whatever else the king was going to offer you. And so you chose to, to be blind because of what you actually wanted to have. Which is, sums up, and I love that we end with Balaam's story, which sums up the whole problem with the children of Israel in the book of Numbers. Is everything they want is different than what the Lord is providing for them. And that's a scary place to be. Mm-hmm. That really is a scary place to be. And especially when you think about who even was the Lord and why would they not want what the Lord wanted? Because remember at the beginning when the Lord was like, here, here's what I bless you with at the beginning. Like here are the things you could have um, that I will bless you and I will keep you and I will make my face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And I will lift up my countenance to you and give you peace and I will number you and you will be mine. Like, why do you not want to choose that? And I brought you out of Egypt and I, and I introduced you into a, a covenant relationship and I gave you promises and I, I taught you your potential. Like all of those things are all things that he, that he promised to him. And they're like, and, and they don't see it. Right. They don't see it. Instead, they see so many other things that cause lust and resentment and doubt and loathing and blindness in their life. And it's interesting because there is this one part in the book of Numbers. It's in chapter 15, which we don't um, study, but we're going to take you there just as we close. In verse 37, the Lord speaks unto Moses and he says, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they will make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And they will put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And remember what blue represents that it is just like heaven Heaven. word, God word, right? That's what uh, I just want you to put that blue thing and that it will be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you will seek not after your own heart and after your own eyes, after which you used to go a whoring, but that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord, your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. And I just love the thought that he's like, listen, 
I know you're going to have trouble looking. I know you are already. I know that what you're going to choose to see and think about and talk about, and it's going to be things that could take you away from me. And so I am going to give you this garment that will remind you of who I am and what I have promised you and to remember me. And I think today, what are our fringes? What are that holy ribbon of blue that reminds us to look like literally look to the Lord. And do we have a reminder daily that we are meant to be holy, that we are meant to be a covenant keeping people, that we are meant to follow commandments? And what does that look like for each of us? And do we regard that as something that is sacred and something that helps keep us in the way? Or are we more inclined to go this direction in our life. And numbers become such a wake up call for me. And what I want to remember is that blessing at the beginning that, that he was like, well, you know, and, and before you get back to that, just when you said, or are we more inclined to this? And I think we are by nature. Mm. We're inclined to like by default, that fallen nature in us is, is inclined to go this way. And yeah. there needs to be an intervention and there needs to be a wake-up call and there needs to be something else to look at. Otherwise, this will be what we look at. Yeah, and we do. And we do have that in our day. Like you think about what is the garment you wear that reminds you of his commandments. And of and, his rescue. And his right. rescue and that allows you to become holy through that remembering. But also we have other fringes, right? If you were to walk through your house, what are the reminders? Maybe you have a picture of him. Maybe you have a picture of the temple, um, our scriptures, you know, that we can see out and available that there are things that help us to literally look and see God. And I love this thought as you talked about, and we'll just go back to the beginning in number six, where it would be every morning that they would bless the children of Israel every morning, even on these mornings. Yeah. Don't yeah. you love that? Even on these mornings. Which they is were how like, that Balaam story ends, right? Where he's like oh. looking over them and they're doing all of this. Yes. But he still calls out a blessing for them. He still prophesies of, oh. of great things to come and to happen for them. So we want to end with one of our very favorite Christian songs that has ever been written in the world in all of life. That's how much we love this song. And we'll put it on the Old Testament playlist um, that's on the app. But we invited our friend TJ. TJ, come on up. Um, We invited our friend TJ to come and sing this um, for us. And with his ukulele. This is cute, TJ. He teaches seminary. You might... um, recognize him from he and my daughter Grace and their friend Talon do a why we stay Instagram, just perfect for today's lesson. Um, There are three seminary teachers and they just teach and talk about Christ, but he also loves to sing with his ukulele. So he is going to sing this song. It's called the blessing because that's what it is. The blessing in number six. Um, It was written by remind me, Carrie Joby, Carrie Joby. Well, she sings it. I don't actually know who writes and it. And Elevation it. Worship yeah. is also um, where you might have heard it before. Am I in charge of this? Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I can't believe you didn't start singing. I was waiting for you to just jump right in. It was so good. I thought I was just going to. Oh, you just hear those words and you just think. I just kept thinking about like, man, this is a world that's like soaked with this kind of stuff. You know, with doubt and resentment and hatred and blindness and lust. And it's like, oh, there is a call. There is like a consistent call from heaven. To like, oh, just remember what he's like and remember how good he is and, and, and may his face shine upon you and bless you and your children and your children's children. And it's so, it's so sweet to know that like, that's how good God is and, and, and what promises he actually has for us. Like, oh, that's such a. Yeah. So good. Such everything. a good end. So have okay. a good week, everybody. See you next we'll week. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.